Wow, episode number 100. Um, wanted to say a big thank you to everybody who stayed on my journey. Um, subscribe to my YouTube channel, my podcast, send me messages. I've met a few people from doing podcasting and also interviews and uh, I formed a larger uh, network. I formed some really good friendships. I've had some really, really interesting people on my podcast and um, it's only going to grow stronger. And I'm really, really grateful that I've had so, so much po- pos- positivity from it. So this, um, this episode number 100, I wanted to give a bit of an update um, to Woodbury House, our journey, and also about the Richard Hamilton market. Plus on top of that, we in 2020 um, have been going through a very unusual uh, scenario, which is the the pandemic, um, the the COVID nineteen, the coronavirus, is many different labels. And on the second of July, which is the day I'm recording this particular episode, um, a few things have um, have come out in the media, and a few things have come to light. And I wanted to share this with you because. As you well know, I've been making a lot of content, a lot of videos um, surrounding the art market, street art, specifically Richard Hamilton. It's basically basically become my life. I'm very, very passionate about the Richard Hamilton journey and story. I very, very much believe in it. I've invested a lot of time and money into it, and I've got no doubt over the next two, three, four, five years and beyond, the market is only going to grow stronger. And don't take my word for that. Do your own research. If you check out Subbid Phillips, Bonhams, Christie's, any of the large auction houses, and you look at large galleries and large art collectors, many are supporting the journey of Hamilton, also believe in his, his movement. Um, there, are, there are other street artists and also uh, artists that have kind of formed the genre of street art, and many of them are incredible legends. Um, but for me, Richard Hamilton is the most undervalued one that has so much scope to become uh, a giant in the street art sector. I believe right now that the market is driven by two factors. Number one, um, Richard Hamilton's death was only recent in the last few years. He died in 2017, sadly. As we well know, um, which I've echoed a few times, the best career move an artist can make historically uh, uh, is when they pass away. And Richard Hamilton's market has gained a lot of traction, it's compounded since his death. And again, you can see this um, this happening in, in, in the auction houses. So that's number one, urgency is kicking in and people realizing that he can't paint anymore, it's physically impossible when people are stockpiling his work and also um, you know collecting his work quite fiercely. On the second note, um, economies, banks, uh, institutes, uh, countries around the world are feeling the pinch of the uh, pandemic and also the lockdown and also they're facing uncertain times. So people who typically invest into banks or your more conventional areas, they are kind of forced to educate themselves and look at different areas to part their money just to safeguard it. And I feel and I, I have seen firsthand that Richard Hamilton original originals or even his limited editions have been certainly one of those places. So today I'm not here to give you financial advice, I'm not here to give you tax advice, I'm just here to tell you my view, um, let you know what Woodbury House is doing as far as our shows, as far as uh, some of the plans that we've got 
and, and more importantly, I'm going to echo and voice um, some of the sound bites that have come uh, via some of these publications in the last few days and weeks, and to give you their point of view. Um, there's some very, very strong and compelling statements they've made, and I feel it's quite important for us as investors, collectors, and people that are passionate about investing or collecting art or Richard Hamilton's market to understand what's going on. To put it quite simply, money is never ever lost, it's transferred from one place to the other. So the question is, where, where is it gonna go? Now, of course, we can't get that right every single time because if we could, if we had a crystal ball, everybody on the face of the planet would be millionaires, billionaires, and very, very successful. However, we can uh, predict, we can calculate, we can certainly mitigate our risk by getting ourselves educated. So my videos, my podcast, the content I'm generating here is just to give you information, is to give you uh, education, is to give you some kind of um, uh, platform that you can go out there, research it for yourself and come up with your, your own conclusions and maybe seek other advice as well. But for me, I don't typically look at the broad uh, publications such as The Sun or, I don't know, maybe even The Daily Mail and things like that. I like to look at and pigeonhole into specific publications that have, you know, um, who are definitely experts and hold a lot of weight in, in, in the financial sector, okay? So, I'm going to start with this. I'm going to read a couple of things. Um, it's not going to be perfect. This podcast is not designed to be perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. Um, but I'm just going to read some, some stuff to you and hopefully it makes a lot of sense. So as I mentioned, today is the 2nd of July 2020. Uh, lockdown happened roughly um, at the back end of the first quarter, February, March kind of time. We're definitely, you know, many months into it, into it and Partially, the lockdown is, um, you know, started to, to ease off. And July the 4th, pubs, um, uh, restaurants, certain uh, places are going to reopen. Uh, there's going to be certain rules um, and the economy is trying to go back to normal. However, there are statements in here and even the news, the BBC, Sky and Bloomberg have re reported certain scenarios that are definitely going to affect people's confidence and therefore people's conf confidence or, or this or the sentiment of the markets is quite negative and it's not optimistic it means that it's going to reflect basically and if it reflects in a poor manner you could have your money affected and more importantly your, your fingers could be burned if you don't take information and use it for you and use it as power okay so uh, a couple of things to take note of okay um, I'll read you this Global slump will be worse than feared. The IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, warns of catastrophic hit to jobs with $10 trillion set to be wiped off the global economy. Now, basically, this statement came from um, thisismoney.co.uk. So this is a publication specifically looking at money, specifically looking at economies, specifically looking at investments. And, and for me, I'm not saying they're 100% right, but it's far better to go to this source rather than another publication that does general news. They literally home in anything to do with, with money, investments, and also economies. This was made on the 24th of June, uh, 2020. So literally only a week or so ago. It's quite fresh information. It goes on to say this. As stock markets around the world begin to tumble again, 
it's predicted the fallout would be even more severe. The watchdog predicted the UK economy will shrink by 10.2% in 2020, significantly worse than it once predicted at the start of the pandemic, only a few months ago, at 6.5%. So basically, the International Monetary Fund had, had predicted at the start of the lockdown that certain economies and the global economy would shrink. Okay, This would cause, uh, quite naturally, a global downturn, a recession, and some are calling it a, 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 a depression. That phrase depression was coined back in 2007, 8 and 9 when we had the subprime mortgage lending scenario where banks were going under, Northern Rock was you know, literally on the rocks, you had uh, Bradford and Bingley, you had Bear Stearns, you had Lehman Brothers, all these massive institutes became um, you know, very, very risky places because they were propped up with bad debt and, and some of them actually got wiped off the face of the planet. What they're now saying is um, this is basically going to happen again. So I'm just going to read you this. It says uh, Spain's economy is looking to, to shrink by 12.8%. Italy's economy, exactly the same, 12.8%. France, 12.5%. The UK, 10.2%. So that's us here. Canada, 8.4%. US of A, 8%. Germany 7.8% and Japan 5.8%. So it's basically saying that any large economy, any westernized economy, any uh, economy that is seen to be market leaders is going to have the economy shrink quite aggressively because of, of, of certain factors. Okay, The IMF now expects the global economy to suffer £10 trillion as a hit this year and next. Slashing the year, this year's growth forecast for all 16 countries listed in the report, including the UK, France, Germany, and the US. It's also warned of a catastrophic effects on jobs. So basically, all these economies are going to be affected and jobs are going to be lost. Now, let me just tell you something about this, okay? And this is basically my findings, my readings, and also the research and the development uh, department of Woodbury House, what we've actually looked into. This is not us just plucking information out of the sky. This is us going to different media sources, very credible ones, seeking advice, going to cred credible individuals and, and find out basically their, their kind of predictions, their views, and also their, their finding, findings as well, okay? The markets right now are basically propped up um, and there's a few things to consider. We have um, three major major things that are going to affect, affect the uh, economies, affect the countries, affect jobs, and also affect um, the stock markets and also some indexes in the next coming weeks and months. And let me just share it with you. So in my opinion, we have three things that are going to be battering your banks, your savings, your ISAs, your bonds, stocks and shares, indexes. We have unemployment and businesses going under. There's been reports one in three, one in five businesses will go under. You've got sectors being absolutely wiped out because of lack of trade. 
you've got airlines going out of business, you've got retailers going out of business, you've got so much problems which is going to affect the markets because markets are all driven by confidence. If people got no confidence and the sentiment is in there, it's going to fall. You've also got printing the money. That's now going to stop. So just like the example I gave about going into the gym with steroids, once you stop taking the steroids, the market's going to take a correction. And the last thing is the second wave of coronavirus. And we've already started to see it in Leicester, inside the UK. Multiple different cities around the world are now reporting that coronavirus is coming back. It's coming back stronger and it's here to stay. Again, people are fearful, people are scared and therefore the markets are going to reflect that. Okay. On top of this is money, Forbes on the 23rd of June, only a few weeks ago or a week ago, 2020, also said, will the market crash now that the Fed stopped pumping the stock market? Again, Forbes is a credible uh, uh, publication and I typically like to read Forbes a lot of the time because you get a lot of truth. If you look at the credit crunch of 2007 onwards, the destruction came from the credit market markets. The bond markets are the senior markets. Equities are junior. So if the stock market crashes, that is a very that is very bad and needs to be watched out for. But if the credit market markets die, then it's all over, period. This is a statement made by, by Forbes and it's something you definitely need to look into. Now, you're probably wondering why is Steve at Woodbury House reporting stuff about what the IMF has said about printing money, quantitative easing, stock markets, uh, what Forbes are saying about the markets and also about unemployment and things. There is a point to this, okay? As I've always mentioned, money simply transferred and it's up to us as investors, as people watching the market to decide where that money is going to go, okay? So I want to read you this. On the 30th of June, literally a few days ago, 2020, here's, here's a report by Sotheby's. Sotheby's auction sales for art were $363.2 million. This is the first major test in a pandemic, in lockdown, in uncertainty, in pending recession, that Sotheby's have had a virtual auction, not a live auction, and over $363 million uh, was raised, okay? During this time, a Francis Bacon, which is a very famous artist, one of these pieces went for over $84 million. This Francis Bacon, which was sold for $84.6 million, was reported in the New York Times. And that happened on the 29th of June, 2020. Sotheby's said last week that its new technology, which included a new augmented reality feature, allowing users to virtually hang art in their homes and virtual tours of the artworks installed in Sotheby's New York galleries meant it could better assess collectors' interests ahead of the sales. Even so, until last night, the excitement and momentum that results in bidding wars and high sale prices 
for sought after works has been generated in the physical sales room itself, with auctioneers pitting auction houses rep, uh, reps bidding for clients from uh, phone banks against bidders with raised paddles in the room. And here's the exciting part. This is the part I wanted to get onto. The Basquiat sold to an online bidder, making it the most expensive work ever sold at Sotheby's online and settled the question whether the pandemic would encourage online bidders for multi-million dollar lots and sales. Before last night, the record price for a painting sold online at Sotheby's was only, and I say only, $1.3 million. George Kondo's piece went into April's auction and during that auction it sold, it sold online. Now what I'm trying to get at here is um, 30th of June, a Jean-Michel Basquiat piece went into auction and for the first time, one of his pieces, so let me just round this, round this up for you. Jean-Michel Basquiat, one of his pieces, during this time when so many people were concerned about the recession, COVID-19, they were talking about doom and gloom, one of his pieces went into auction. Now, I've got to say, I'm a big fan of Jean-Michel Basquiat. I'm a big fan of Keith Haring. I'm a massive fan of Richard Hamilton, quite naturally. I have to say that I love all their works, no matter the size or quality. However, this particular Jean-Michel Basquiat wasn't a very large piece, and it's also on paper. Many collectors have criticised certain pieces that may not be on canvas on the, on the preferred uh, medium or material, and they sometimes might frown at things on paper. But let me just say this to you. This particular piece was on paper, quite a small piece, and it's known as a Jean-Michel Basquiat head. Now, the reason why I'm highlighting that is because Richard Hamilton is known for his shadow figures, and also his currency, his bread and butter, is Richard Hamilton's shadow heads, okay? This particular piece went into auction and had, had a estimate to go between nine to $12 million. It fetched an all-time record online for over $15 million. What does this mean to you? What this means to you, if you're looking at Richard Hamilton as an undervalued um, affiliate to Jean-Michel Basquiat, and you're looking at a Richard Ham Hamilton shadowhead, regardless whether it's on paper or canvas, this should give you a huge amount of excitement. Now, this does not mean it's guaranteed to be worth 10, 20, 30 million dollars in years to come, but it does give a lot of um, encouragement to anyone buying into his work. And we can certainly start to believe that in many years from, time from now, that these very similar works by Richard Hamilton will be going exactly the same way. I've already seen personally, since I was trading Richard Hamilton Shadowheads, uh, roughly about six, seven years ago, they were selling four to 8,000. Now they're selling at 50, 60, 70,000 pound upwards. Last of all, today, there is an auction taking place again online at Phillips. There is a Jean-Michel Basquiat piece, the predecessor to Richard Hamilton, that is also in auction and is estimated to go something between eight to 10, 10 million. Once again, this is demonstrating that 
Successful people are coming out of your more conventional areas just because of what the IMF has said and just because of what Forbes have said and just because of what thisismoney.co.uk have said and many other publications. They are all saying that these markets are going to go into retreat and therefore people are taking money out and putting it elsewhere. And these auction houses, Phillips, Sudbridge, Christie's and Bonhams are demonstrating today there are record-breaking results happening. I want to say this last part. Ken Griffin. Ken Griffin is a billionaire that has made a huge amount of money from hedge funds. Now, I don't know him personally. Um, however, I'm just going to take that part out, Chris, where it says I don't like to know, take, know him personally, okay? I want to tell you something else quite exciting. Ken Griffin, a American chap who made billions, something like 13 or 14 billion his net worth, worth is, from hedge funds, he was in the broadsheets at the start of the pandemic because he posted a picture on his $100 million super yacht and his quote was this, I'm isolating, I'm getting away from the virus, I hope everyone's well. It was virtually worded like that. Not word for word, but virtually. The media had a field day. They were saying you're rubbing your wealth in people's faces. It's distasteful. You're not treating the pandemic seriously. And um, you're basically mocking the public. Okay. Well, he was in the media for, let's say, better news if you're involved with street art, because he reported only a few weeks ago that he acquired a Jean-Michel Basquiat for over $100 million. Now, the reason why I'm getting so excited about this, and also Woodbury House or any collector affiliated with Jean-Michel Basquiat, Richard Hamilton or Keith Haring, is because he is now the second billionaire unrelated to the first billionaire to acquire a uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat piece for over $100 million. The first time this happened was in the same year when Richard Hamilton, the godfather of street art, sadly died. There was a Japanese billionaire that bought one for $110.5 million, okay? This is now, again, the second time Richard Hamilton has, uh, sorry, Jean-Michel Basquiat, one of his pieces has been acquired for over $100 million. And what this clearly is demonstrating is people love to collect his work, regardless of, or, of how expensive it is. This clearly has great... Um, great signals for the Richard Hamilton market, despite any piece, despite how big or small they may be, what medium they are they are on, and also the image. This has got great encouragement from the market. And more importantly, regardless whether there's a recession or markets are collapsing or not, the very, very wealthy, the elite, and the more sophisticated people who are being educated are, are looking to stockpile the works. And I think this is clear demonstration in the last few weeks since I've made a bit of content for Woodbury House, Richard Hamilton and the art market that this market is only growing stronger. So you need to ask yourself the question, are you going to be one of these people that are going to sit in your hands and do absolutely nothing and leave your life, your investment portfolio down to fate? It's a bit like Russian roulette. It, it may not go off or it could go horribly wrong for you. Or are you going to get yourself educated and take some kind of action and start moving forward? Um, and right now, if you're looking at the auction houses, you can clearly see that more and more money is being generated in street art, contemporary art, and any 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 artist, you know, a lot of these artists affiliated to Richard Hamilton. And this is why right now it's definitely an area to consider. Okay. 
Um, I hope some of that information I gave you is um, is is uh, well received. I'm currently reading through this book. It's called uh, Hero in Art. Um, it was um, it's been it's been put together by this gentleman called Isvan Cantor. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. And it's ba- basically talking about the Richard Hamilton uh, movement, uh, the genre of street art, and his affiliates. And it's a really in- interesting read. I'm currently slightly the way through it. I'm definitely going to do a podcast on this. And I urge you to pick up this book, invest into it, get yourself educated, get yourself knowing about it. And um, and when the time is right, I will do a recap on the book, my findings, and hopefully I might even be able to get some of the people that put this this book together on the podcast and I can interview them. I hope you found this uh, this 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 number one hundred uh, episode very useful, very very informative, and it gives you a lot of power and, and excitement. It definitely has 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 with me. I'm totally immersed in the street art sector. I'm totally immersed into trying to better the company and better myself and better my clients' uh, portfolios. And I'm totally pumped uh, because of Jean-Michel Basquiat's auctions keeping going up and up and up. And this is definitely. Um, definitely bearing very very well with with the Richard Hamilton um, market whether it's originals or limited editions guys please subscribe recommend me to your friends and family and always be happy never content thank you